What's up, what's up, y'all? This is your host with the most. So have a toast. We are after the game three. Philadelphia 76ers game. We're here to talk some things, y'all. Listen, good game, great game. Let's get into this game more. We're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. 102-97 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Listen, I told you what it was going to be. Even at their worst, the last game that was just played, Philadelphia did not play to their best standards and still won. Same thing with Brooklyn the next, the last game. I mean, <clears throat> Philadelphia kind of adapts to what they have to do in a situation, and, and they really realize what they have to use and do. For instance, in this game, 14-10, points, 10 rebounds, two blocks. And... MB made some key plays, you know, a key fadeaway, key fadeaway jumper that was like mid range. Then he did the block. You know, MB had some good plays, but MB don't feel like he got to force his way to thirty points. And I think he kind of sees that with this team. Period, especially working on that with a team like Brooklyn. He can give it to, you know, Tobias had fifteen. Harden was the man that was really starting off crazy. Him and Maxi. Harden was 21 points before he went down in the third quarter. I mean, we talk about a 30-point game that Harden was looking at. And you know he would have got the double-digit assist. He probably would have got a triple-double. But it was a stupid call. I don't know. <clears throat> I think I've been seeing it a lot this whole series, how, you know, MB and Harden get touched up, but they ain't calling no – referees ain't so reluctant to let them go to the line like this. It just got to be – it's tripped out because they're getting touched. I mean, they get to the line, not even, you know, you get some plays where you look at Harden and beat everybody in the league, you know, sells contact. But <clears throat> they're clearly getting hit. And if you look at the game, okay, MB against Claxton. Claxton shouldn't have stepped over him like that. I mean, I mean, Claxton was getting a little bit too, you know, but it is what it is. Go ahead. Get rough, my man. Go ahead. But, you know, when somebody kick you in the butt, don't be, yeah, don't, don't, don't be thinking, you know, it's sweet. <clears throat> that's just what it is. But that's what he tried to do. He wanted to get MB worked up. So that's exactly what he was trying to do. Wasn't like he was all tripped out by that reaction. That's what he wanted. He didn't expect the technical to come because he stepped over him. And so what the refs did was cooperate with the call with MB. Like, okay, he did kick him because he stepped over him. So the technical went the other way. Now, the, the Harden thing... Once again, man, listen, referees can get jerked. They can get fooled. It happens all game. Royce O'Neal clearly did that. <clears throat> all, all Harden did was stick his arm out there. He didn't, you know, it wasn't even a, you know, you could look at a basketball player and tell when they want to intentionally put physical contact on you. We're not even talking about a flagrant physical, just physical period. He put his arm out there to get him some space because if his body was right there, he was, you know, you can call, you want to call a foul? Go ahead, call a foul for that, I guess. But you trying to call a flagrant foul? No, it's not a flagrant foul. He just put his arm in the way so he can have some room so he can drive. All guards do that. They've been doing it for years. <clears throat> what he did, now, if he wouldn't have made that move and, and flopped, I mean, you, you get a penalty for flopping. So if he wouldn't have made that move 
and grabbed his groin. I mean, look at just look at it. Look at the replay. It don't even look like that contact could do nothing to his groin. Nothing. Nothing. Like it don't look like the contact could do nothing to him. Period. <clears throat> Not even his stomach. It wasn't no force like that or nothing. So that was he totally sold that to the refs because what you see in a quick the refs saw in a quick move is that Harden had the ball. He drove. When he drove, he stuck his arm out there, and he fell down. That's all they saw. That's it. <clears throat> because if you go back and look at the replay, that's not selling it. You just didn't want to, you know, oh, well, we got us. You, you're supposed to go back and change that. A ejection? A flagrant too? If you want to say foul or whatever, because he touched them, if you're going to start calling those. Because you know you can call a bunch of those. That's why there never was even a question. What it is, is it a flagrant two? That wasn't a flagrant two. That should have been taken away. But anyway, Tyrese Maxey, 25 points later, 10 points in the fourth. This is what needed to happen. What's happened here against Brooklyn? I want to see this against Boston. <clears throat> uh, Tobias Harris, 20 points in both games. 20, 20 plus points in both games. Then he had. 15 tonight. Like, he's been great in this series. Then Tyrese Maxey had 33 the last game and 25. That's a, they need to sharpen their fangs because that's who Philly needs. That's who Harden and Embiid needs. And what I get tired of hearing over and over again is that Maxey's the second best player on this team. That's crazy. That is nuts to say. What do you want to say? Look at this game in the last game. Well, hold up. <clears throat> Last game, Harden, what? He fell back? He fell back. What did he have to do with with Maxi scoring 33 points? Harden has to play like this for this team to be there. Then he leaves, and Maxi still helps him win. But they had to climb back and win. It is what it is. But check this out. Harden had 21 points before he went out. He was leading the team in scoring. The, the disrespect between Harden going at Harden and Embiid is just unreal. They have everything to prove by winning this championship this year. They have this. This will this will make everybody just bow down because they the kings for the moment. Now you got to respect Embiid for all those MVPs you didn't give them. Like <clears throat> I keep saying that. I keep saying the first time Jokic got it, it was like, what? Who had the better record? Or you want to say who had the better team? Everybody probably wanted to say that. MB was the better player. Because if Jokic was the better player, it wouldn't even matter. If he was the MVP, it wouldn't even matter who got what on there. That team was going to still at least be tied with them for the, for the record that they have, the Sixers. Then the next year, they had 49 wins. 49 wins, 48, 49 wins. And everybody's like, oh, for the simple fact that they're still in the playoff race, even though they don't have who they're supposed to have. Now they have them this year. And that team still ain't the best team in the West. It's not no clear-cut dominant best team in the West. <clears throat> and Denver's been number one. But when they were number one, who beat them? The Sixers. He dominated Jokic. It clearly proved through all these years – all the time they went against each other. Right now, this is the, the best that they're both at. Jokic is average a triple-double just about this year. 
He's he's having the best year, even out of the three years. Then Embiid's having a better year than the two years before, just like Jokic. And they meet at their peaks, and Embiid wins. And if people act like, I mean, okay, really, the MVP's not about who's better than who. It's who's having a better season. That's what the MVP's about. We clearly know Embiid's better, but who's having a better season? So this is where you go to, Jokic could have got one of those MVPs. Why not? Why not? But for him to get two, when you know this is who he is anyway. And what did he do with his team? Like, if he at least got 50 wins that year, he got the second MVP. He'd be like, okay. But if you look at the first MVP, he was not more dominant than Embiid. I say this all the time, man. It's just crazy. And now this year, you got a little bit more argument with me because of him averaging the triple-double just about. And this is the year where you say, ooh, he's kind of close, even though MB is better than him. But who's having a better year? Who's having a better year? This year, this is the, the toe for toe. Forget last year. Last year, come on, whatever. Everybody know MB was better. He had a league in scoring. Boom. The year before that, MB was better. <clears throat> now this year. And you could you could have gave Jokic the first one. That's it. The first one. The first one, Jokic could get that one. That was a good toss-up between both of them, even though you said MB's better, but who had the better year? Jokic really displayed and came out superstar like letting the people know he's a superstar. Now the second year, he won the doggone scoring title. And this year, look what he's still doing. So now, this game, with him making that key block, and he was really dominant defensively in that fourth quarter, it shows you why he's the MVP. Stuff he does like that. When he can't be no scorer or or, or dominant scorer, he almost squits the triple double. When he can't be a dominant scorer, he's a defensive presence. That's why Embiid is almost like the – it's only a real judgment between a couple of people who's the best player in the league. I know Guinness is in there. I know uh, you want to give Jokic a – you got to give him a nine. The man's good. Um, and then after that, it's Durant and James. With Jokic, Guinness, Durant, James. And then to me, <clears throat> you got to give Jason Tatum some scratch. You just got to give him that. You have to give him that. Um no question. So now you go and you say Embiid. I mean, he could easily be called the best player in the league if they win this championship. That's it. Embiid has been so dominant these last three years and then they won the championship. Man, it'd be crazy. Just a good game. Just a real good game. Uh, the bench. You talk about the bench, man. The bench. They don't even have to be you know, even though 13 for melting off the bench, he's just such a star right there. He was worth, and I was just like, yo, why we trade the first round pick for him? Man, it was a reason why we got this guy. Philadelphia's bench is not being looked at in their entirety like it should. You got um Milton, and you got Milton on the bench. You got um Jalen McDaniels. Um, George George Nyang and Paul Reed. That's a good five. They've all been very productive this year. 
You know, sometimes you would see games where people be out of sync, running chemistry. That'd be Sixers beating themselves. Then the Sixers also have another front court. They got Daniel House, Harrow, and Detman. These ain't no, these guys are all been in the playoffs. <laughs> and then, you know, you got Cork Myers and, 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 and Springer. I mean, Jesus. They are deep across the board. Across the board. They are deep. That is three lineups. There's three different lineups. I just three the star lineup, the backups, and then you look back and you still got Daniel House. You still got Harold and Deadman. This is next to your backup. So you got three star lineups. You have a fifth, five, ten, fifteen. You have a three starting lineups. Not starting lineups, but three solid lineups. You got the start lineup, your second lineup is all is is proven. Then you got the fifth lineup. It's like, oh, I could put house in there with Harold Detman. This could be your bench. Springer and Cork Myers, that could be your bench. For any team in the league, that'd be a good bench. Be a solid bench. Nice, solid bench right there. Put Harrow in there, give you some points. Daniel House, a good two-way player. Hit from the, hit the trade. Deadman, another guy, double-double threat defense. Springer, good two-way player. Hit shots from everywhere. And Corkmire another guy that can hit shots. It's just a decent bench. Their team... When they go against Boston, it's going to be some. Philly just looks like they're there to win it this year. It just looks like Doc has all the possible pieces, and he has different ways to throw them at you. He just picks one when he looks at a problem. I could really see Philly winning this year. Nobody looks like Milwaukee don't look like they're convincing nobody. Boston don't nobody looks convincing in Philadelphia since December has been the had the best record in the league. And now they're in the playoffs. They were just as good as any of the elite teams. Any of them. Denver, uh, Memphis, just throwing all the teams out there. Who else? Um Denver, Memphis, Milwaukee. Boston, they had, they were just as good as any of them. I don't care what happened when they faced these guys, and it wasn't there. It wasn't like it was a walk in the park to hit Philly. You knew, and if you watched them, you know, Philly only had to do, you know, just better perimeter D. Maybe they wasn't, you know, guarding one person good, or shutting down the, the mid-range game fast enough when they know they can. Like, just little things within those problems would stop them. So it's just it's something that 76ers, they look like a team that can really do it. And what I like is that, you know, James Harden is attacking more than he did last playoffs. He's, you know, that game where he had 8, 5, and 7, I mean, well, Maxie had 33. <laughs> he had 33 points, and the defense was good enough to shut the, the guys down to where they could win by double digits and then, and be enjoying himself when he can have a 2019 game. He's not looked at as the guy that has to bring them back. 
I mean, it was harder with Simmons because, you know, Simmons was not going to bring nobody back. You know, he, he had to really – he was a good decision maker, and that helps him be a scorer in the inside. But Harden can harm you from the outside, inside, uh, drive on you. So it's a little different. James Harden is a different monster. Um, they can beat really relatively anybody. Relatively anybody they can beat. What has to happen in the next series is that they have to do the same thing. Maxie has to stay ready. Harden has to stay ready. And I think they can see it. I mean, I, not yet, but they'll be they're seeing it more and more as they play with each other. They know each other. This team can really end up being one of those. I don't think Harden's going anywhere. I think it is a precaution. I don't think he he wouldn't go to Houston. Yeah, I think it's, it came out somehow. He said in the conversation about he'll go back to Houston. He would. He probably said something like, man, I, if this don't work out, and the next team I'm going to is going to be Houston. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So now he's like, oh, he'll leave Philly for Houston. If this championship don't go, it could be a different scenario. Really could. But I think he's not going to leave. I think he would give them one more year before he would think about going to Houston. He would see how that one year would last out for him. But if Philadelphia wins it this year, who knows what uh, extension could happen for Harden. You know, Maxie's extension is coming. They have to give. They don't have much money on the cap. Uh, Tobias Harris has to go. I think that's the number one guy that has to go for this to work for. It would be Harden, Maxie, and Embiid. And I think the next power forward, who knows who it could be. It could be anybody. It could sign anybody. But they have to give money up, so for Maxie and for Harden. So I think that will be another big thing, you know, because they don't really have um, the Reed is under contract. You know, Daniels, they can get McDaniels under contract. They can, I think that's one guy they'll go for, McDaniels, a young guy. Go ahead, bring another young stud around, bring him around. And he's going to groom with guys like Reed and Springer and Maxie. You got young guys. Like, even if, if Harden was to leave, just think about it. You still have a young star at Maxi. Now more money is freed up. Who wouldn't want to come play with Embiid? Real, real, it's really something. That's really something to look at. Like, seriously something to look at. Let's see who's freed up. I, I think Philly would... When you got Maxi, then you got MB. Now you got two guys. See, it would be more pressure on Maxi. And if Harden and Harris both left, it would be so much money for them to go after whoever they wanted to. Whoever they who wouldn't want to come play in Philly? Then you're looking at the next level. Paul Reed is the next level at power forward. Then if 
Harden leaves, you know it's Anthony Melton all day. That's the next guy. That's the backcourt. You know, then you got Jaden Springer right there. Very good three-guard rotation. Got to go to the Eagles news. Eagles news. Matt Patricia being the defensive assistant. Now, listen. We can say whatever we want, but he's been under top defenses. He, he was part of Bill Belichick. You know, I, I know I heard Shady talk that, but he's been around winning. So it's only going to add a pedigree. Uh, he'll have some insight on defense that'll be good. I, I can't go uh, uh, against the pedigree, and I can't go against Nick Seriani. Always just the coaches that go in. So now the other thing is that he's not a defensive coordinator. You know who the defensive coordinator is. So he'll have some insight, and they'll all come together. These are winning. These are defensive guys. This is nothing but a good. Don't think this is bad. People are talking crazy. The Darius Slay situation. Okay, whatever. We know as a coach, it's different from being a coordinator. You're talking about the offensive coordinator position at uh, New England. Well, we're talking about defense. That's when he got hired first for being the defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick. So, totally different. Totally different. So, I think it's a real good plus to add a guy that has that ring pedigree and that has had good defenses on them. Top defenses. Now, you look at um, another thing that was said today. If you look at the press conference with um, Nick Soriani and with um, Howie Roseman, you were looking for a couple of things, you know, some some confirmation. And I was looking for a B. John Robinson confirmation. I'm listening to, to the interview, and basically he was telling about how he'll go for um, the best player available, how he's looking for unique players, how he's looking for that's why they went in the offseason and did what they did. You, just, you got everything you needed to hear that lets you know that he will draft the running back with number 10. Everything that Gunn, I, I listen to Derek Gunn, uh, Jacob Sports, you know, he, he says things that he was like, um, you know, I was thinking that he had some insight on why they wouldn't take a running back. All he talks about is their future, their past, what they did in the past, you know, what teams do, what's not common. Man, listen, this is the first thing I keep telling people. They get B. John Robinson. He is the best player in the whole draft. He's the only player in the draft that can impact and be a game changer to a team to the point where that team goes to the next level. You know, that can only happen with an offensive player anyway. You know, you get a defensive player, if you get 12, well, my, well I got to take that back. Michael Parsons is a different monster what he did to Dallas. A player like that. A player like that. And it's hard to really guess those defensive players like that. But you know, you can get an offensive player, right? But how special is that offensive player? B. John Robinson is special, special. Generational talent. And if they get B. John Robinson, I've said it so many times, man. How offense is going to be able to plan for Philadelphia when you got to plan for the quarterback? You got to plan for two running backs because nobody's thinking about how good Kenneth Gainwell really was in those playoffs. And you put both of them, and I say it all the time, it's like having Marshall Falk and Ricky Waters on the same running back squad. Gainwell reminds me of Ricky Waters all day. B. John Robinson, Marshall Falk. 
Now, these guys could be, then you got Boston Scott, which is like a baby Darren Sproles. He's going to run. He's going to tire uh, defenses out because they got to tackle this little guy. Then you got Rashad Penny, who gives you power and speed. I mean, this is really going to be, this is a different type of running back room. You got three running backs. You got two running backs who are lead backs for a team. Kenny Gainwell was a lead back in the playoffs. Prove he's a lead back. And Boston Scott has his game. And I think they want to get the most out of how good Boston Scott really is. You know, screen passes, catching the ball, running the ball. I think they really, they give him $2 million, one-year deal. Really, really, they really like Boston Scott. And then Darren Sproles is a fan of him. So now you go to um, so many other ways you can kind of go here on uh, the Eagles. This it this seems like it, and I'm gonna tell you like this: Jalen Carter, I feel like is their number one guy. If he comes down, and it's him and B. John Robinson, they'll take Carter first simply because they feel they if they want Robinson. They can get them. Just, just think of this. If they trade down, I think the ultimate down trade is for a trade down could be Pittsburgh at 17. You ask for their pick. Pittsburgh has the top pick in the um, second round. You ask for their pick. Um, you either trade. I'm talking about trading up. Like, think about it. They have the second pick. And you're talking about trading up. But if you get Jalen Carter, you got your 30th pick. Philadelphia has five fifth-round picks next year. They have two third-round picks, two second-round picks. I mean, they can easily throw a package together. I would get trade the first-round pick to trade up and get B. John Robinson. I would trade 30th, the first-round pick, and I'd give them two second-round picks. Hell, why? Listen, you talk about money. You're talking about getting players. You don't even have to worry about no draft picks. If you got, if you get Jalen Carter, and this is the way they can get Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter falls down, maybe Philadelphia tries to trade up to eight, past eight to get him. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll wait because I think Philadelphia is like, listen, what do we need to trade up for? We're looking for the best player available. I don't think they'll trade up. I think they're waiting for whoever falls. If Carter falls to 10, They'll wait and try to trade up to see where Bijan is at. If you got a second round pick, a third round pick, which you, I, I, I'll tell you why that gets saved too. You got five fifth round picks, a first round pick next year. If you give them a third year pick, a first round pick next year, and two second round picks, or you just give them one second round pick. And two fifth round picks. I mean, Jesus, give them three fifth round picks. What are you going to need those picks for? Right then and there, that should get you the B. John Robinson to 17th to Pittsburgh trade. Because Pittsburgh has um, the first pick in the second round. They would love to have their 30th pick. Absolutely love it. And then you look at try to get some late round picks from Pittsburgh. Try to get like what? A fifth round pick, you know, you lost your, uh, you got your second round pick. Trying to get like a fifth round pick and a sixth round pick, you know, uh, or a seventh round pick, you know. 
But the Buda Baker trade, Buda Baker, it's been believed that you, they only want like a second and third round pick. Philadelphia has two second round picks. They have um, a third round pick and a bunch of fifth round picks. They have two third round picks. So you're talking about Philadelphia goes in there and gets some, a second round pick this year, a third round pick, and a second round pick in the next year's draft? You don't think they'll get Buda Baker? Listen, they're in a heck of a position to do the same thing they did last year. Spark at draft time and, and, and really look at their offseason. Nobody's looking at their offseason. They just got the receiver from Atlanta who is a guy that can catch the ball. I got to get his name right. Straight out of Philly. Um, from playing, Born and playing for New Jersey. You get Street. Evans, is a, he's a solid player. That's what you need, solid guys that can evolve. He's a young player. This is his fourth year playing. He's going to come in here and really play good in this great coaching staff, people who bring the best out of players. Terrell Edmonds has already been that type of player. Nicholas Morrow. My thing is this. How can you not think these are good signs? Like how? How? Philadelphia, everybody, last year, so many people had career years. They just didn't have the year they're usually used to having. Everybody, Marcus Epps had a career year, 94 tackles. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was six interceptions. People was doubting Bradbury as good as he was, was, as good as he was. As much as people said that was a great signing for them, nobody thought he was going to be that good. First team All-Pro. Best year he ever had. Then you look at Slay had another great year. But TJ Edwards had a career year. Kazara Wright had a career year. And Hassan Reddick. The whole linebacker squad had a career year. Josh Sweat had a career year. Javon Hargrave had a career year. Brandon Graham had a career year. Milton Williams had a career. So we're looking at all these guys, and you mean to tell me that you don't nobody thinks that these other guys, Evans, Edmonds, Morrow, Street are not going to come in here and have career years or better years than last year. How about that? Nobody thinking that. Everybody thinking that. I don't know about this guy. I just heard um, McMullen say, I don't I don't really know about Evans. Or I know he was, yes, he was a high, you, good young talent. Um, second round pick. You know, he had a good rookie year. You know, um, the second year, you know, he played a little bit lesser than he did before. And then you got the other year, he wasn't even starting. I mean, this guy, but he has all the talent. 29 tackles last year. He is the talent. You put him in the start lineup, he's going to be a different monster. Okay, but now you look at this, that Buda Baker, yes, Buda Baker could be an eagle. We'll see how that goes. Uh, if anybody can make it happen, Howie can. If Howie comes away from this draft with Buda, Jalen, and B. John Robinson, that's a super home run. But if he just comes right for this draft with Buda Baker, B. John Robinson, and another defensive lineman, it's just a good good run. <laughs> the Buda Baker scenario is the big one. That's the huge one. Um, going back to the Sixers, man, um, this is just a time to be a team. It's, it's a time to really... The more they play, and I just can't wait to the second round because I got to see where Philadelphia is at, man. Got to see where these boys are at, man. 
Um, this is a big, big time for Philly. Uh, Philly's looking good. Lost the last game, but um, it's a big, big time. Now, to think about the Eagles even more, just to put this in a conclusion, I think they're going to do it. I'm with Philly 500. Uh, he was real um excited. I feel him, man. Y'all know Philly 500. He has a podcast on YouTube, Talking Eagle, Eagle, Eagle Talker. Um, I don't know what the like, that's something to say. When you heard how he basically say, man, we have the unique players, we have the good players, we have the difference makers, this and that, B. John Robinson. How we asked B. John Robinson, why should I draft you? He And he said, because I'm, I'm a difference maker. This is all coming out now. This is just looking like the Eagles are going to take him at 10. They're not going to wait. They're going to take him at 10. This is going to be big, and then we're going to see what the Eagles are going to do at 30. They can get a defensive lineman, or the Eagles can just go ahead and get a, a safety. Brian Branch, they just brought Brian Branch in, just brought him in. That 30th pick is going to be bigger than the 10th pick. It's going to be a lot of people. I like Miles Murphy. I like Brian Bressy. Like, I just like those guys. Lucas Van Ness. I mean, I like these. There's a lot of good prospects going down near 30 that you can move up and possibly get. I wouldn't be surprised if they see Nolan Smith move down to like 17. They wouldn't move up and get him. I think they, they'll wait to the 20th and, and see who's who and where they at. And, you know, look for those guys, Brian Bressy, Lucas Van Ness. I mean, if they fall down past 20, Philadelphia's going to move up to get one of them guys. I don't think they'll move up to get a, a safety. Now, looking at this, um, the next the next thing coming is we have Philadelphia's Game 4, and we have the draft on the 27th through the 29th, April 27th through the 29th. It's going to be something big. The first round is always on the 27th. Then you got the second through the fourth round on the 28th, and then the fifth through the seventh round will be on the 29th. So this is going to be huge. This is a huge draft for Philly because they've never been in this situation um, I saw one of my guys, shout out to Joe Castro, one of the best Eagle uh, writers out there, put out, when the Eagles pick in the top 10, they never have had a good record, except for one time. And he picked out when it was Anton Davis in 1991, and he was a terrible pick. I mean, man, Buddy Ryan could not draft offensive linemen. But to tell you the big thing on that part is that um, Howie Roseman was never in the driver's seat. Now, there was a couple of times he put up, we talked about Elaine Johnson and Carson Wentz, but they all, they both won Super Bowls. You got to wait a minute. I dig the the point, but, you know, don't, you know, before fans get on here and get all, oh, God, we don't want to break the fame spirit. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a huge start there. But in this instance, the 10th pick got traded to him. That's one thing that was brought there. And we never won a Super Bowl, then had two top two first-round picks. Like, crazy. 
So just a, you know, this just an optimistic thing. Also, this rivalry, you know, people get optimistic about crazy stuff, so we just want to keep people on the narrow, straight narrow path. Um, this is going to be a real good team once everybody starts playing, getting around, and Hurts is ready. It's going to be big. So I'm out of here, y'all. Um, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Follow the leader. Flow, 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 flow,